Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're gonna have a great show. We have Associate Professor and Meat Scientist, Dr. Travis O'Quinn, gonna be with us from Kansas State University. We're gonna talk about alternative proteins and how beef panned out against them. Stay tuned. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. Look who we have here. We have Dr. Travis O'Quinn. He's an associate professor at Kansas State in the Animal Science and Industries Department. Uh, he is an associate professor of meat science. And if you have been uh, around meat science or been around education, Dr. Quinn is quickly becoming a, a very uh, famous meat scientist across the United States. He's very humble but uh, he's really put his stamp on, on meat science here at Kansas State University, and thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Dan, happy to be here, so. You bet. Well, let's just start out a little bit about what you do at K-State and yeah. kind of your program. Yeah, absolutely. So here at K-State, we have five meat scientists within our group. Obviously, the meat industry is very important to the state of Kansas, especially the beef industry. And so we do a lot of things in terms of research to applied research to really support the beef industry. So specifically, my research program is that we look at uh, all different aspects of beef eating quality. So what can we do to make a beef taste better? So more tender, more flavorful, more juicy. That's everything I do. I spend a lot of time feeding consumers beef, asking their opinions on them, and then trying different things to try to improve that. And so that's a lot of our research. I have my colleagues, we do a lot of research based on actually muscle growth, chemistry, what can we do to be able to help animals grow faster, more efficiently, uh, and then obviously what it does to the end product. And I'm, I'm assuming you teach some as well, but then y'all built quite a judging meat judging program here well thank you so we, we take a lot of pride within our meat judging program so meat judging has been going on since 1926 and our team here at kansas state's been going since 1927 so we're rapidly approaching 100 years of having a meat judging program here at kansas state i'm lucky enough to get to be the person who's currently in charge of that program we take students to eight different contests all across the united states compete against schools from across the country from texas to north dakota and everywhere in between and and uh, we've been very lucky to be very successful over the past few years and within that activity so, so let's talk a little bit about um some of the research that you've done associated with with alternative proteins and why is it important to do research on with alternative proteins yeah no that's a great question as we look here at the the beef industry and, and certainly over the last five to six years we've seen more of these plant-based ground beef alternatives come to the market and we've all seen commercials with people trying these products saying oh i can't tell the difference between this and beef and and that is definitely trying to cut into the market share of beef um historically we looked at alternative proteins like you know the boca burger some of these soy-based products that have been on the market for a very long time they were really targeting vegetarians people that weren't going to eat meat anyways Today, the modern proteins that we have coming to market, they're actually targeting beef consumers. They want to be viewed as a replacement for beef products. And so that is a very different approach 
that these companies are taking with this iteration of products that we hadn't seen in previous generations. And so um, from a beef industry standpoint, that matters a lot because if these products are a similar eating quality for consumers, then they help pose a genuine threat to the market share of beef in the market. Yeah. And, and you know, as you know, it just takes little bitty ripples to make big effects on on beef prices and beef pricing. So so understanding the competition and where beef kind of ranks is important. Absolutely. I mean, that that is something that we definitely saw pre-pandemic. We definitely saw how these products that came to market and the projections for growth were hugely uh, massive in terms of what was projected for these products to be able to take market share and their global impact was going to be significant. Now, post-pandemic, some of that has changed a little bit, uh, but certainly these products were viewed as ones that could really take a big bite out of the beef pie. Perfect. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Travis O'Quinn here at Kansas State University. DNA Dialogue is brought to you by Igenity Feeder, powered by Neogen. Really, we feed cattle and feedlots because we're feeding them high energy diets and we're fattening them. And so we obviously get other benefits from that, such as taste, tenderness, juiciness of the end product. But what it really comes down to is how much fat can we put on those? And we're not doing it to put on fat on the outside. It's really about the marbling inside the meat itself. But it's difficult to know marbling when the cattle are live. You don't know that until after they're marketed. So what are packers interested in? They're interested in obviously the weight and the amount of pounds that they can, can also produce in their line. They're interested in red meat yield, which obviously in our, in our grid systems is a premium and discount based on yield grades. One and two is a premium. Yield grade four and five is generally a discount. And obviously, if you're not familiar, those yield grade one and two are uh, more red meat yield. Yield grades four and five are obviously fatter relative to red meat yield. So there's a premium discount on yield grade. And then, of course, there's a premium discount on quality grade. Quality grades are uh, usually dis discussed as a choice select spread, but that's really low choice compared to select. And there's premiums as you go to upper two-thirds choice, uh, CAB, which would be black heighted and upper two-thirds choice, and then an even larger premium for prime. So what are packers interested in? Weight, yield, and obviously the most marbled beef that they can, can market because they get a premium for those end products as well. GS powered by Neogen is the highest industry standard in genomic testing for your whole herd. Contact the American Angus Association to test today. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Travis O'Quinn. He is an associate professor of meat science here at Kansas State University in the Department of Animal Science and Industries, and he is uh, does incredible research. And you can tell he has a passion for beef, and so. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough to, we're both Texas Tech alumni. That's correct. Uh, and, uh, and we're both faculty at K-State and have gotten to work together on projects. But some of the projects I want to highlight is some of the stuff we did back in the day with, with comparing these products to beef. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
you and I had collaborated with the other group of scientists here at K-State to actually do a head-to-head -head comparison of a lot of these ground beef alternatives. Uh, that was a project that we owe a lot of gratitude to the Kansas Beef Council yep. for stepping to the plate to fund that project. And it was the first project that really put these products in a head-to-head -to -head test together with uh, ground beef. And so we had all the different, you see all the claims. We don't know if that's 10% ground beef, 20% ground beef, 30% ground beef that they're getting compared to. So we just said we're going to compare them all. So we took all the ground beef blends that are commonly on the market and we compared those to a traditional um, ground beef alternative. So one of these soy-based products. Yeah. And then to two of the, the newer, more modern ones that instead of using soy proteins, use a lot of bean proteins as their main ingredients. These common ones that are, we're starting to see more and more of this type of product come to market. And we put them directly head to head and we fed them to people to see what would happen. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, and, and you had two different types of groups, right? You had, uh, you know, like walking off the street consumers and then you had that trained sensory panel. Right, no, that's exactly true. So we had our, when we look at sensory and eating quality for us, we have the true consumers, so people with no training whatsoever, just off the street, what do you think? Um, those are really good data points because they give really good insight to what people actually think about the products. Mm -hmm. And then we have another set of people that try the product that are really highly trained and skilled. And the idea there is that they can detect really small differences uh, that may exist in eating quality that maybe the consumers just can't detect. And so it gives us kind of two different aspects of eating quality on those products. Yep. And for this study, they kind of really aligned in terms of what the data told us. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand, too, that that uh, with you, you do this for a lot of different um, so that people that, you know, not only the consumer, but then when you have these trained sensory panels that you get really thorough answers to put the best products on the shelf. Absolutely. I mean, we, we do a lot of studies here, as you pointed out. We do all kinds of different meat products, steaks, ground beef, pork, lamb. You know, we've done processed meat products, everything. So our trained panelists on that part are incredibly refined, can detect really small differences. And then kind of our calling card on a lot of our data is the consumer aspect of, you know, getting groups of 120, 250 people together and getting their real life opinions about the product. Okay, so just kind of walk us through um, what went on with the consumers and then we'll, we got about a minute and we'll take a break and then when we come back, we'll jump into yeah. the results. So we got 120 consumers uh, from around Manhattan because they're convenient and yep, close. Yep. And we, we fed them each of the three ground beefs and then each of the three ground beef alternatives. And so we asked them some questions about the tenderness, the juiciness, the flavor. We asked them how much they liked the product overall as well as what that they thought of the appearance of the product. And then we asked them, how willing would you be to purchase this product? And what we found was that our three ground beef products uh, were far superior to the three ground beef alternative products. So the plant-based products were viewed as a lot more dry in, in their flavor. Um, they Consumers didn't like the overall appearance of them. Um, they also said they were not willing to purchase the ground beef alternatives. And then their three ground beefs were pretty similar, but all better than, than everything. The only place where we would say that the ground beef alternatives were a little bit different uh, was in terms of tenderness. They were very soft, so the consumers did tell us they were a little bit more tender. But overall, they liked the ground beef a lot more than they did the ground beef alternatives. That's what we thought we were going to see, but uh, we should never be afraid of, of going head-to-head -head with our competition. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Dr. Travis O'Quinn.
Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Travis O'Quinn. We're in Weber Hall on the campus of Kansas State University where Dr. O'Quinn serves as an associate professor of meat science here in the Department of Animal Science and Industries and uh, tremendous researcher, tremendous teacher. Um, very, very fortunate to have him at Kansas State and on the show. But let's talk about the follow-up study you did with consumers and with NCBA. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we found in the first study was, hey, big difference in eating quality between the ground beef and these ground beef alternatives. One of the criticisms that you could say is that we just fed those products blind without anything, no seasoning, anything like that. It was what we typically would do. Um, the truth is, is that those products are going to get used as a part of a bigger meal. So they're going to be the protein component of a hamburger, of a taco, of a burrito, something like that. So we were interested to see if we added ingredients, how that would change the the eating quality of those products and so uh, we were fortunate enough that the beef checkoff uh, from a national level decided to fund another follow-up study on that and where we were actually fed those same products again all head-to-head -head with ground beef and this time we let the consumers build hamburgers so we let them put ketchup and mustard and lettuce and and everything that they would on a normal bun whatever their cheese all whatever their preference is and then we did another part of that to where they did it with tacos. And so we added taco seasoning to all these different products. And then they added cheese and lettuce and, and all the normal taco toppings. And so they built these tacos and hamburgers and then they evaluated the products again. Um, the results of that study matched the first study identically. I mean, no matter what, um, those products that, had, that were the ground beef alternatives, the plant-based, they, they were nowhere close to the eating quality of the ground beef. Ground beef was, again, more flavorful, had a more beef-like flavor, certainly more juicy, uh, and again, overall liked a lot higher. So it didn't matter to us when we did that follow-up study if it was as just here's the product, evaluate it, right. or if it was, again, part of a meal. Um, the, our consumers are off-the-street, untrained panelists. They did not care for the plant-based products as much as they did the ground beef. I tried it on my own, uh, went over <laughs> to Burger King across the road from the plant in Lexington, and I was starving. So if it was going to pass the mustard at all, you know, I thought this would be the time. And it, it, was, it was nowhere close to yeah. the real thing. They are very different products than beef. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I mean, it goes back to, you know, while we sit there and we jump out in front with all this um communications and all these different blurbs against them isn't it easier just to put them down side by side and say i can't eat that yeah i, I think that that is <laughs> that is the ultimate test right i mean if, if consumers will try things one time um, and give it a chance but then if they don't purchase it again then that tells you everything you need about the product again we can talk about how these products have fared here in more recent times which has not been as favorably as what they were projected to be. And a lot of that goes back to anecdotal evidence on what our studies actually show is that these products, if a consumer purchases them thinking that it's gonna be a similar eating quality as beef, that they don't provide that. And so if that's what the customer's looking right. for, then they're gonna be disappointed and they're not gonna go back for a return purchase. Perfect. We're gonna take a break um, with Dr. O'Quinn. When we come back, we'll talk more about what he did with the trained sensory panel here at K-State and some of the different flavors and why it tastes different and, and that. But you're watching Doc Talk. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Travis O'Quinn. And Dr. O'Quinn is a meat scientist here at Kansas State University. He is an associate professor in the Department of Animal Sciences and Industry 
and he is he's done some very very awesome research for the beef industry when it comes to alternative protein or or uh, you know the look like products some of the fake meat we call it or ground uh, hamburger alternatives or whatever um, but talk a little bit about the the trained sensory panel yeah absolutely so in addition to our untrained off the street consumers we had our really highly descriptive panel here that's able to really fine tune in terms of a lot of the different uh, aspects of eating quality and so that gives us the consumers can tell us how much they like it do they like it or not but our descriptive panel can kind of maybe provide some insight into what differences really do exist. And so we found a lot of similarities between our trained panelists and our consumers, most notably that the products were incredibly dry. So the, the plant-based alternatives, they don't provide any juice that we would typically associate with a, a ground beef product, especially something that's, you know, in a 20% fat range that we would get on a typical hamburger. So they're, they're very dry. And then the other part was that our panelists found that they were incredibly soft. And so softness kind of corresponding along with tenderness, we think of as a positive beef trade, especially when we talk about right. steaks. Ground beef, maybe that's not quite the same thing. Our, our hamburger patties, when we actually took them to the machine and tested how tender they were, were quite a bit tougher than the ground beef. So if we are expecting one thing in terms of how that ground beef meets our mouth and these products are not meeting that, then that's a whole different challenge when we talk about texture. And then the biggest difference that we found was within the flavor traits. I mean, the <laughs> the amount of flavor difference between these products and ground beef is incredible. Um, our panelists kind of described the flavor of the, the bean-based ones as kind of like a fermented bean-type flavor. And then the flavor of like the traditional soy-based one, the, the flavor that was kind of characterized those products was kind of like a cornmeal-y type flavor, which they didn't have cornmeal in them, but that was similar to the flavor that we found within that product, which obviously the ground beef products tasted like beef um, without any of those kind of off-flavor notes. So that was really what we found in the consumers too. Flavor really separated it out, which was supported by our train panel results. It makes some sense too that they're, you know, the, the mushiness uh, would not be a, a positive attribute. Um, and then, you know, when I, when I read some of the comments is when you're describing something as a beanie flavor, yeah. um, probably got a problem because we wouldn't put beans in our chili. That, well, right? <laughs> yeah, we're from Texas, <laughs> That's of right. course. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, if you're expecting a, a rich, beefy, beef-like flavor, then a bean-like flavor is not going to probably meet what your expectation is. Yeah, which again... It goes back to thank. This is the reason why your checkoff dollars from the beef industry are being spent on unbelievable research programs like Dr. O'Quinn's, uh, so that he can solve these for us. And uh, just, I think, just tremendous results. Well, thank you. It's, it's something that we're very proud of. We have a couple of manuscripts that are published out of this, and so um, it, it's really good results to provide the beef industry, the information that we know. So when someone says, hey, these products eat like beef, you can use these and say they absolutely do not. <laughs> and so that's good uh, to have. Yep, that's great. And thank you so much for being absolutely. on the show. Thanks for watching. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to find out what we do at DocTalk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Travis O'Quinn. We're at Kansas State University, and we'll see you down the road. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, 
and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow.